0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network with me, your host, Harry Simeon. And as always, we've got plenty of Arsenal news to discuss. There's plenty of debates to be had. There's plenty of topics for us to smash through during the duration of this show. We're going to be talking Lissandro Martinez. We're going to be discussing the latest on Rafinha. We'll be talking Telemans. Uh, We'll be talking Lucas Torreira and whatever else comes up in the chat. So lots and lots, as I say, to get into. A big hello to everybody who's already with us in the live chat. I can see there are plenty of you here already. So a big thank you, to every single one of you. If I could ask you straight away to hit that like button, it would really, really help. Uh, Of course, the more likes on a video, the more the algorithm likes it, the more it gets put in front of people, and the more people have a choice to then click on it or basically stick two fingers up at it and move on uh, to the next thing. So yeah, look, lots, uh, as I say, to chat about, but if you could show me uh, that support, do me a solid, I'd be very, very grateful. Okay, let's start off with. uh, with Rafinha. Now, I know that I put the Lissandro Martinez thing first in the title and we will come on to discuss that and the latest on that in detail. But I want to start off with Rafinha because those of you who listen via audio only, you will not have heard my views on the Rafinha situation just yet. Now, when the news broke last night, I was out. I'd gone out for a meal with some friends. We were sitting, all Arsenal fans, by the way, we were chatting about the Summers business. We were talking about what we hoped Arsenal would be able to get over the line between now and the end of the window. Lots of us were were sort of pretty positive or at least optimistic about the idea of signing Rafinha, the idea of Arsenal being able to get this done despite all the moving parts involved in this deal and in this conversation. And then, of course, the news broke that Chelsea had and I used the term yesterday on the video I did, Gazumped us. Chelsea have come in at the 11th hour and offered much more money than Arsenal were willing to offer, have managed to meet Leeds United's valuation, and given that they're in the Champions League, that they probably stand a greater chance of challenging for the game's major honours next season than Arsenal do, doesn't really come as a surprise at that point that Rafinha would even entertain the idea of joining Chelsea doesn't come as a surprise at all. And if you think about this, and if you think about this logically, we were told this from the off. We were told by the Athletic when those initial Rafinha uh, links were kind of doing the rounds. And when we first heard about that bid uh, that Arsenal had obviously put in, the official bid that was rebuffed and rejected instantly by Leeds United. If you think back to when we first heard about that, if you actually read the athletics article and you went through it properly, as opposed to just picking up a couple of lines from maybe an aggregator on Twitter or something like that, you'd have seen that they did say that Barcelona was the priority and that Rafinha would be interested in a move to Chelsea. So although it hurt and although it was frustrating and although it was, you know, irritating to read that news after feeling like we'd stolen a march in this one, feeling as though we were in pole position, feeling as though we were leading the race, It shouldn't really come as a surprise that Chelsea have now declared an interest and are trying to get this deal over the line. We've also heard this afternoon that it's not dead with regards to Barcelona yet, that Barcelona could still potentially find a way of getting this deal done. Of course, Barcelona are on the verge of selling Frankie de Jong to Manchester United for a deal worth in total around about 85 million euros. Now I don't believe that they'd want to spend all of that money on Rafinha. I don't believe that they'd even want to spend the majority of that money on Rafinha because we know that they they're looking at Robert Lewandowski and we know they've got other targets. But Barcelona are the type of club that could just magic up those funds at the 11th hour and come in and we know that Rafinha wants to go there. So the point I'm trying to make here is that although it came as a surprise yesterday and although it came as a bit of a shock and My initial reaction was one of disappointment, frustration. Um, I have to say that the more I've thought about this and now that I've slept on it, I guess I'm not actually that surprised. And actually, we should have been prepared for this possibility. I think we've got this big, big problem as fans in general, whereby we hear a link to a player and we become so invested in that link without it actually being anything concrete. You know, without... Agreements being reached, you know, prior to those discussions even taking place with the players, we seem to get so emotionally invested. Why? A number of reasons. A, we're desperate to see the team improve. And I think although we wouldn't have said that a wide player was necessarily right at the top of the list going into this summer, you would say that it is one of the top three, four positions that we need to recruit in because of the fact that, as I've said on multiple times, recently. We've, um, you know, we we struggled at certain points in the season with regards to outputs from the likes of Saka Martinelli, Emile Smith-Rowe, Odegaard. And I'm not for a second saying that they aren't good enough or that they didn't have exceptional seasons on an individual level. But unfortunately, they're not at the point in their careers yet where they can be relied upon to deliver to the highest level every single week. And that's the reality of it. So, The idea of bringing in Rafinha, a Premier League experienced winger who's had two very, very positive seasons in Leeds colours in a side that for long periods has struggled, gave everybody kind of encouragement that we could improve in that area and that with him and Gabi Jesus, both sort of on the verge of signing, we'd have really refreshed and strengthened that forward line for around about £100 million in total. And the idea of that, was a really positive one. The idea of that appealed to Arsenal fans. And so naturally, when you hear that that is now less likely, it is deflating. But let me tell you something. Rafinha is not the only winger in the world. He's not the only exciting wide player in world football. Arsenal clearly set a ceiling in terms of what they wanted to pay for Rafinha. And you can sit here and you can You can moan about that and you can complain about that and you can say, well, it's Arsenal penny-pinching and it's Arsenal not wanting to go that extra mile in order to get the player we need. And I would argue that actually, at times, we've gone that extra mile and we've got it really badly wrong. And when that happens, it's really, really difficult to put it right. You end up essentially stuck with players who are just not at the level that you need And you've signed them up on these mega contracts that nobody else wants to touch and nobody else wants to go anywhere near. I mean, I think we can all agree. And as much as I like the player, if Arsenal had been this pragmatic when going into the negotiations for Nicolas Pepe, we could have spent that money far more effectively. So is it always a bad thing when you take a step back from a negotiation, when you look at a situation and think, no, that's me going beyond what I'm comfortable paying? I don't know. And it goes back to a point that I made just a few days ago as well. You know, I talked about that discussion that was doing the rounds online, people questioning and asking how on earth Arsenal all of a sudden had so much money at their disposal. And my point was, yes, we are bringing in players. But when you look at the average price of all of those players if you take the, the collective and you add them all up and you divide it by the number of players, actually, we're still not in the bracket of spending 70, million, £80 million pounds on single players in the way that Manchester City can, in the way that Liverpool have done this summer with Darwin Nunez, when you take into consideration the total value of that deal, when you think about what Manchester United are about to do with Frankie de Jong, when you think about Chelsea's spend last summer on Romelu Lukaku, when you think about all of those things, you come to the conclusion that we were never in that bracket or never at that point where we were going and happily and willingly opening the checkbook for values in excess of 50, 55 million pounds per player. Now we've done it on the off chance. We did it one off with Nicolas Pepe. And again, I'll go back to that. And this is no slight on Nicolas Pepe because I actually think he's a decent player. And you know my thoughts on Nicolas Pepe. I don't need to go into it again. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we don't do that regularly. So what gave people the impression that we were going to go into this negotiation and bow to Leeds United's demands? Now, we know what Arsenal were trying to do. They were trying to go in there. They were trying to unsettle the player. They were trying to steal a march on the other side, interested in Rafinha, who had yet to make formal offers, who had yet to actually table bids. Barcelona have been talking about Rafinha. Rafinha has been talking about Barcelona for months and months and months. Personal terms have been agreed between Rafinha and Barcelona. But have they come to Leeds United with an actual offer yet? No. Chelsea hadn't done it either until yesterday. So Arsenal felt they would try their luck and they might be able to get something done in time. But they weren't going to compromise on what they believe to be the true value of the player. The other thing you got to consider is if you overspend. So if you set out your, your plan f- ahead of the summer and you, and I know people always say that clubs don't actually have specific to the penny budgets, but you have an idea, surely, of what you're able to spend. But if you sat down in the summer or ahead of the summer, I beg your pardon, and mapped out what it was you were looking to do this summer, there comes a point where overstretching yourself on one player has a domino effect On the other players that you're looking at has a domino effect on your ability to bring those other players in and therefore you can't always execute the total plan if you're going to sort of bow down to pressure and if you're going to um you know essentially go beyond your means on one of your targets in particular and i think that arsenal would have prioritized their targets this summer i think the striker was 100% the main target, that was 100% the number one, that was 100% the priority. And so had this been the other way around, so had Manchester City been demanding 60 million for Gabriel Jesus, I think Arsenal might have been more open and more inclined to say, this is our top priority. We really do need this player to come in this summer he's the man, he's the one, let's uh, let's do it, Let, let's do it, let's go that extra mile. But the winger situation, the way it is, there is a need there, but it's not a desperate need, it's not the number one priority for me. And I think often in these situations, you've got to go by your gut feel, you've got to go by what you initially felt when you heard about this. And I must admit, when I heard that Arsenal were in for Rafinha, that they'd made an offer, and that Leeds United were not going to budge and not open to accepting anything below £65 million. Pounds. My first reaction was, whoa, that's a lot of money. And throughout the duration of this story running, you know, I've said repeatedly that I think that maybe we can get this deal done at £50-55 And perhaps we could have had another club not come in with the aim of gazumping us. But this is a a saga that is far from done yet based on what we're reading today. And I want to share with you guys uh, some of the latest tweets. I know people have been sort of on uh, Fabrizio Romano's feed and um, sort of refreshing it literally um, every second in order to try and keep up to date with uh, what exactly is going on. Let me just bring it up on the screen for you and we'll talk a little bit about it. So let me share with you his latest tweet. Here it is. Uh, This is with regards to the Rafinha situation. He says, Chelsea are waiting for Rafinha's answer. Been told Deco has direct talks with Chelsea scheduled for tomorrow. Talks are still on after the agreement was reached with Leeds, which is apparently £60 million. He also says Barcelona and Arsenal will try until the end. Reminder that Barça agreed personal terms with Deco four months ago. Now you've got to think about this in in a logical way and understand why, um, and understand why this has never been as straightforward a deal as people think. So first of all, there's the Barcelona factor. Okay, as Fabrizio Romano says, Barcelona and Rafinha had agreed at terms four months ago. So by all accounts, the player probably thought that Barcelona were going to come in, they were going to negotiate with Leeds United, they were going to get that deal done and we'd be able to move forward with that. That's not happened yet. Chelsea have come in and agreed a deal with Leeds United in the region of £60 million. But if Rafinha believes that Barcelona could still come in and could still strike a deal, he'll hold off. And that's what we're seeing here because yesterday we were told it was done. We were told that personal terms between Rafinha and Chelsea had already been agreed. And today, we're being told that there's still no answer yet from Rafinha. Now, I don't think it's particularly unusual that a player takes a day or two to think about the offer that's on the table to them. But I, at the point I want to stress at the time of recording at 7.21, and knowing my luck, they'll probably say um, at 7.30 that the, the deal is completely done. But the point I'm trying to make here is that This has always been a very, very complicated deal. There are a number of clubs involved. There's an agent who has strong links to both Chelsea and Barcelona, clearly for obvious reasons, because he played for both of those clubs. And so this was always going to be a negotiation in which Arsenal were coming into it at a disadvantage. Now, they hope that by moving first and by moving early, they'd gain some advantage and potentially be able to get this done. But this is the reality of the situation today. Am I upset? Am I frustrated? Am I disappointed? Yeah, I am, because I'd have loved to see Rafinha come into Arsenal, because I think he is a superb footballer. I think he's a brilliant player. But this is just one of the battles in the war that is the transfer window for Arsenal this summer. And when you look at how well you know we've kind of started in the window in terms of having clear targets moving for them swiftly you have to believe that arsenal have alternatives in mind now they may not have been the first choice no and you shouldn't ever go too far down that list i genuinely believe that you know you there's there's got to be a point where you say no enough is enough and and we're not going to pursue a player that doesn't fit us just because we we feel that we have to bring in a winger to appease the fans or to appease the manager, whatever it might be. So I think that there'll be alternative targets. There'll be other people in mind. And at the very, very least, if you want to take some positive from this, the positive would be that Arsenal have at the very least indicated that they're actually quite happy to go and spend 40, 45, maybe even 50 million on a wide forward, on a winger, which I didn't think they would be going into this window necessarily. So that's kind of the silver lining from this. But am I disappointed? Of course I am. There's still a lot to happen in this Rafinha saga. I think our chances of getting him have been massively diminished. Um, And and so I don't expect him to become an Arsenal player. Wouldn't rule him out of joining Barcelona though. And uh, wouldn't that be funny for those Chelsea fans that are uh, all over the uh, social media platforms today mocking us at the fact that they've... um, they've been able to um, to agree terms with Leeds United. Anyway, uh, let's just uh, quickly check in where we're at in terms of uh, audience at the moment. There's nearly 700 of you with me live right now. Big thank you to every single one of you. But disappointingly, We've only got 105 likes on the board. I want to set a target of 400 likes between now and the end of the show. So if you haven't done it already, make sure you hit the like button. Also, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the channel because we're just a handful of subscribers away from hitting 22,000 here on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, or any of the... uh, any of the podcast stores, then please do leave us a review as well. That is very, very much appreciated. Okay, that's enough on Rafinha. Looks like that isn't happening. It looks like Rafinha is going elsewhere and it looks like we're just going to have to get over it and move on. Time to focus now on Lissandro Martinez. The Argentinian defender has been linked with Arsenal for probably about 10 days now. Um, Arsenal have been very, very interested in the player. We know that Arsenal initially had an offer of 35 million euros rejected by Ajax. We heard rumours that another bid had gone in. We're hearing today uh, from Sun Sport, from Charlie Wyatt in particular, that Arsenal have submitted yet another offer for Lissandro Martinez, which is closer to Ajax's 34 million pound valuation of the player. Now that's pounds, not euros. Again, not entirely clear how much that is, but there's the added complication now of Manchester United. Now, under normal circumstances, okay, and, and I'll explain what I mean by new normal circumstances um, in a minute, I'd have said that Arsenal, given what they showed last season, given that they've improved in a lot of ways, given that they seem to be adopting a much more Uh, effective approach going forward, given that they've shown some ambition already in the window by signing Fabio Vieira, a player that is very much highly rated in his homeland for 34 million pounds, given that they've just forked out about 45 million pounds in order to land Gabriel Jesus, an announcement for that one is imminent, which is great news given all of that, taking all of that into consideration. Um, If I were a player looking from the outside in, I would say that right now Arsenal have a bigger pull than Manchester United. They've got a settled manager who's been there for a couple of years now, two and a half seasons, has taken them forward, narrowly missed out on Champions League football. There's a real feel-good factor around the football club again. It's a massive football club, probably third only to Manchester United and Liverpool in this country. Why wouldn't it be an appeal? And you compare that to Man United, who, yes, are massive and, yes, financially can offer quite an attractive proposition. But they have been in turmoil for years now. You know, Jose Mourinho went there, I think, left them in a really bad state when he left. Yeah, he finished second, said it was a great achievement. It probably was in hindsight. Won them a Europa League, I believe, in a cup. Um, moved on. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer took over. There was a bit of a, a new manager bounce when he came in. Everybody was positive about it. They got knee jerk Manchester United and, and extended his stay because of. Those positive vibes, if that's what you want to call it. And very quickly that went south as well. And now they're in an even worse situation whereby a total rebuild is needed at Manchester United, similarly to the way there was one required at Arsenal not so long ago. But we're further along that process, we're further down that road. And so I would argue that if I were a player looking from the outside in with no affiliation to either of the two clubs, I would prefer to join Arsenal at this moment in time. However, The added complication that I referred to earlier is Eric Ten Hag. Manchester United have appointed Eric Ten Hag as their manager. He has come in and he has clearly identified a number of targets. And of course, Eric Ten Hag worked with Lissandro Martinez at Ajax. The pair know each other like the back of one another's hand. The pair have a connection. The pair trust and have faith in one another. Eric Ten Hag's coaching is a large part of why Lissandro Martinez is even being talked about now as a target for some of the Premier League's biggest football clubs. So there will be a temptation on Lissandro Martinez's part to lean towards the devil that he knows. And there will be a temptation to join Manchester United because there always is, because they're bloody massive, just like there is with Arsenal. Big clubs have a pool regardless of where they are in the table. But Lissandro Martinez has got to place his bets here. And he's got to place them right. Because where I would argue the Manchester United strategy or the, the, the decision to potentially join Manchester United is more risky, is that you are relying on a manager who you trust, of course, but you're relying on him to get it right at a club where even the very, very best have struggled post Sir Alex Ferguson, to get it right. So here you're in a, a, a position where, yes, you like Ten Hag if you're Lisandro Martinez. You know what he brings. Familiarity is a big, big deal and a big, big thing. But you don't even know if Eric Ten Hag is going to be there for more than a couple of years. Whereas at Arsenal, things are just a little bit more settled. There's a little bit more, I would say, solidity to the foundations upon which this project is being built. And so perhaps, um, you know, perhaps that would be a, a better appeal. I, I would think it would be. And I, I'm trying really hard to take my Arsenal out of. But when it comes to size of club, Manchester United are bigger than us, right? They are. When it comes to financial capabilities in terms of what they can offer the player, Manchester United, again, are bigger than us. But when you look at the rebuild that they're about to embark on and you compare it to our rebuild, they're clearly still a season or two behind us. And that would worry me if I was a player going into that. And, and the idea of sort of pinning all of your hopes on Eric Ten Hag because you know him and because you're familiar with him would scare me as a player because there's no guarantee it's going to work out for him at Manchester United. And therefore, there's no guarantee that it's going to work out for you either. I think there's more chance of succeeding at Arsenal for Lisandro Martinez right now. Next season, for example unless United go absolutely batshit crazy in the transfer window. So, I still feel as though we can get this deal done. You look at the fact that, you know, we're Ajax are loving this, right? Ajax are loving this. They've essentially sparked the bidding war between Arsenal and Manchester United. But ultimately, there's going to come a point where Arsenal are going to meet the valuation. I think we will get there. The question is... Are we going to get there quick enough? Are we going to get there before Manchester United do? Because with Rafinha, it never felt like we were ever going to go up to the £65 million. And the reason we never showed that we were going to go up to the £65 million or the reason I never felt we would was because up until that point, there was no offer from Chelsea. There was no offer from Barcelona. And so why would you go above and beyond? Why would you go that extra mile? Why would you essentially offer to pay more than the market value for something, if you don't have to. You probably wouldn't, particularly when you've got other business to be doing. So I think with Lissandro Martinez, the emergence of Manchester United as a serious possibility for him almost forces our hand a little bit. And I think the fact that they are interested is what's contributed, if indeed it's happened, to Arsenal hurrying up with that next bid. But we're also told that there's been no response to that bid, and that's not particularly encouraging. That suggests to me one of two things. Either Ajax are waiting to see if Manchester United can better that, and therefore they are fully invested in this bidding war and doing their utmost to facilitate it and make it happen, or we're we're still not at the valuation. And so there's so many moving parts to these things, and... This is why I forever say on this show, on this podcast, don't get too invested in particular transfer targets before the deal is done, because there are so many moving parts. We've just talked about Rafinha. Think about the moving parts with Rafinha, OK? There's Leeds who have a very high valuation of the player and don't want to compromise on that. Probably will have to at some point, but are not willing to do that at this stage in the window. You've got Chelsea who have an interest in the player. You've got Barcelona, who have an interest in the player. Arsenal have an interest in in the player. Add to that that Barcelona already have personal terms agreed with Rafinha. So one of those steps has already been completed. Then add to that Deco's relationship with both, both Barcelona and Chelsea, and the fact that he's probably more inclined to lead his client that way. And add to that the fact that we've been reading all sorts today, suggesting that Deco is in line to whoever he brokers this deal for to earn a pretty chunk of money and that Chelsea are the most willing to break the bank and give Deco what's rumoured to be eight, nine million euros to, to push his client towards their club. It's all crazy, but it just goes to show that there are so many layers to transfers. So when people go, oh, you know, Arsenal failed to get this over the line, sometimes it's not in your hands. Sometimes it's not in your hands. Okay I've been into the shop I've been into shops many times and I've looked at stuff and I've thought oh man I really like that I want that but then I've looked at the price and I've gone okay now I've got a way up how much I want that yeah I'd quite like it but how often am I going how often am I going to use it how often am I going to uptake the benefits that that particular item or product is going to bring me And I have to go through that thought process to decide whether it's worth me paying more than what I want to pay or feel is fair to pay for that particular item. And I'm talking about trivial things. So to suggest that that same principle doesn't apply in a deal that is worth 50, 60 million pounds is bonkers. It's absolutely crazy. And this whole thing about, you know, Oh, Arsenal this, Arsenal that, people throwing their toys out the pram. You're going to look pretty damn silly if Arsenal go out and bring in a top, top winger during this window. You're going to look silly if Arsenal continue to do bits in the window. And you're going to look like your meltdown was nothing more than a plea and a cry for attention on social media, which unfortunately with a lot of people, that's what it is. So sit back. Take it on the chin that we've seemingly lost out on Rafinha and we move on. Let's have this conversation at the end of the window. If Arsenal don't bring in a winger and then you want to have a moan and a bit of a rant and a bit of a rave about the fact that Arsenal didn't go that extra mile in terms of meeting Leeds' valuation early and then essentially potentially wrapping up a deal before anybody else could come in. You know, let let's have that meltdown later. The meltdown doesn't need to come now. You look like a bit of a prat when you're melting down about something that is ultimately out of your club's hands in a lot of ways, but also by that same token, something that doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to strengthen in that position. And if you think back to last summer, you know, I remember when lots of you in the chat, I love you all really, but lots of you in the chat were giving me shit last summer when I said, I don't really care that we've walked away from Buendia. And I said, I don't really care that we've not bowed down to Norwich's ridiculous demands over a player who had produced in the championship, but there's no guarantee that he'll be able to mirror those outputs in the Premier League. I remember getting all sorts of criticism in this very chat box for that stance. And a year later, no one's even talking about Emi Buendia. In fact, Aston Villa went and brought Felipe Coutinho in because Emi Buendia wasn't cutting it. And we went and got Martin Odegaard, and that's proven to be a better signing. So the point I'm trying to make here, guys, is that just chill out, relax. Let's see what happens. It is frustrating, yeah, but it shouldn't boil over to the point where you're online, you're abusing the manager, the the directors of football, the, the recruitment people, and you're sitting there losing your minds over it. Arsenal could still go on and do a madness. And as I said earlier on in the show, the most encouraging thing to take away from this, even if we do miss out on this particular player, is that Arsenal are clearly willing to invest that type of money, at least £50 million or so, into a player in that type of position. A few uh, super chats that I need to uh, get to. Thank you all uh, so much. A big thank you to Michael Carpenter for his very kind donation. He says, we penny pinch on big deals, but then waste money on the likes of Pablo Marie and giving £3 million to a club for a youngster who's out of contract three weeks later. But Michael, there's there's a difference between penny pinching and not feeling like you're getting value for money. There's, there's, there's a big difference there. Okay. You, you can be willing and open and happy to spend money if you think it's worthwhile. So if you think something is worth a set price, it's not penny pinching if you go and give that price. Equally, it's not penny pinching if you say, I'm not going to go any further than that, because in my opinion, what you're offering me is not worth in excess of that value. I don't think the two things are the same. I think it's understanding the market. It's understanding the worth of players. And we've seen it for years. Chelsea go out and they pay over the odds for people. They've done it since Roman Abramovich took over the club in what, 2003, 2004? That's their model. That's their way to success. And Arsenal don't do that, never have done that, and probably aren't ever going to do that under this ownership. We've got a plan this summer with regards to the positions that we need to address. And if going that extra mile, even when you don't feel comfortable doing it, could potentially derail your plans to improve the side in other areas, then someone has to be sensible enough to hit the brakes. Unfortunately, there wasn't anyone that sensible when we spent £72 million on a winger that most people can't wait to see pushed out the door now. And, and and that's my view on it. But obviously, Michael, thank you so, so much for your donation, mate. And listen, even if I disagree, I do value you guys' input and your opinions. But I am here to share my view, and, and that's what I'm going to do. A uh, big thank you to Craig over in Fort Lauderdale. He says, uh, "Harry spitting straight facts always. Give a shout out to Chad, my fellow Fort Lauderdale Guna. Uh, big shout out to you, mate. All the best. Hope you are well, uh, Chad. Enjoy. Uh, also, thank you to Wayne for his super chat donation. He says, already Arsenal have done bits this window. Over £80 million spent. Four players in before pre-season. It's so crazy to be frustrated so early in the window. Yeah, 100%. And also, the other thing, mate, is um, the other thing that you got to remember is that Just because you read a story about a player being linked, it doesn't mean that in the club's eyes, that player is right at the top of the list. It doesn't mean that in the club's eyes, it's that player or nothing. It doesn't mean in the club's eyes that they are desperate for that player. It just means that that bit of information has got out. Someone's picked it up. And a lot of the time, some of the information, some of the stories are not even accurate anyway. So it goes back to the point that I made earlier on. Do not get sucked into every single story you read because you'll drive yourself crazy and you know I was talking to uh, a, a good friend and colleague uh, who you've will have definitely seen on 90 min hunter godson earlier today and he said it's you know it's kind of really dangerous the way the information does the rounds i mean i, I give you an example actually hold on i give you an example let me uh let me just find this this piece where is it hold on a second uh it must be still up here. Uh, hold on a second. Here we go. I'm going to share this with you guys. Now I don't, I don't have a problem with this first of all, right? In fact, I used to write on this website, so I'm not seeking to dig them out, but I just want to give you an example of, um, of how things can catch on like wildfire. Okay. So over on thisisfootball.com today, and I saw this on Come up. Well, a few people saw this come up on news now and sent it over to me. Okay, so this was the this was the piece. Harry Simeu reveals exciting in-house gunners update. Harry Simeu, sometimes found on Talksport, has revealed that representatives of Bukayo Saka are satisfied with Arsenal's transfer window so far this summer. 20-year-old now just has two years left on his contract, blah, blah. These were my quotes. This is what I said on 90 Min's Talking Transfers podcast. We've been, we've also been told that Saka's people are watching the window and have been quite pleased by what they've seen and could potentially sit down with Arsenal sooner rather than later as well. Now, we've been told means that we've read, we've heard in passing. I've not tried to take that information and say that's my information. I've read, I've read that information and I've said we've also been told in a, if you go and listen to the podcast you'll see that it was kind of like a passing comment. But they've made a story out of it. And that's fine. You know, it's their prerogative. They can do whatever they want. You know, I've said what I've said. They haven't misquoted me. But the context can sometimes be missing from these things. You know, for example, during all those years ago, when Arsenal were linked with Max Allegri, Arsenal have held talks with Max Allegri. It's definitely happened. Could have been as simple. and, And this is how Hunter put it. And I think it was brilliant. Could have been as simple as, Get on the phone to his agents. Is Max Allegri interested in Arsenal? No, he's not. Not for the time being. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bang. Contact's been made, but the talks amounted to nothing. And so we've got to be so, so careful when we get sucked into these things and into these stories. We really, really do. Uh, Let me see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Pete Geary, thank you so much, mate, for your very, very kind uh, donation too. He says... Trying to explain to some fans we won't get bidding wars. um, Not when we have other players to get for other positions. Got told I was in the mud. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. We're not going to get sucked into bidding wars. Um, It's it's just not going to happen because we can't do that right now. You know, it's not like this summer we're pursuing one target, one or two main targets. And so you can afford to play the long game. Dragging out one negotiation and getting sucked into a bidding war in one negotiation could impact three or four others that we want to do. And that's the problem that Arsenal face. And this is the issue that you face when you're trying to rebuild. Once you've done the, the majority of that rebuild, and we've done phase one last summer, this is phase two. Hopefully, once you get past this point and you go into the summer in the way that Liverpool did this year, for example, looking just mainly at Darwin Nunez, you say, OK, I can afford to let this go for a while. I can afford to let this rumble on throughout the transfer window because I'm not preoccupied and I don't really have a need to do numerous other deals. However, in Arsenal's case now, it is dangerous to get sucked into bidding wars and it could cause us a serious problem in pursuing some of our other targets. Uh big thank you to Michael as well, who's just uh, signed up to become a member of the channel. Uh, thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. Um, thank you. Uh, All the best, mate. And um, look forward to seeing you in the Discord server. Make sure uh, you jump in to that as well. We'd love to have you. Okay, lots of you asking me what winger I'd like to see coming then in the event that we do miss out on Rafinha. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to tell you until we get to that 400 likes mark. What is going on? There's 900 of you live right now, but we've only got 238 likes on the board. So please, please do smash that like button. Let's try and get up to 400 likes as soon as possible. In terms of the wingers I like, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to do some content over the coming days in which I'm going to break down a few options. And, and remember, they'll be my options. So if Arsenal don't sign them, please don't have a meltdown on social media about the club being incompetent and all of that jazz, because it would literally be the players that I think would be a good fit. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do that in the coming days for sure. I'd rather do it properly. And uh, with a bit of research rather than just kind of, you know, spiel off a few names to you guys now. But I will take some of your questions for the last 10 minutes or so of the show. So if you've got a question, please do leave it in the comments. Pop a queue at the beginning of the question. It just makes it much easier for me to pick them out from all the rest of the chat. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe because we're closing in on 22,000. Hopefully we'll get there tonight if we're lucky. So please do subscribe to the Chronicles of Acuna YouTube channel and on all major podcast stores if you prefer to consume the content that way. Okay. Um, M says, Harry, it seems like the club still needs a kick in the ass from external factors slash parties to act quickly. I still think the Cronkies are back to their old tricks. I would counter that by saying, you know, they, they got Marquinhos done pretty quickly. You know, when the window opened, they they wrapped that up really quickly. They got Fabio Vieira done really quickly. We only heard about the interest, you know, two days before it was announced, three days maybe before it was announced. Um, and then obviously news started coming out of Porto and, and various other places that that deal had been done. You think about Gabriel Jesus, took a little bit longer than maybe people would have liked, but you've got to remember that A, he was on holiday. B, he just became a dad. So he kind of had other things going on in life as well, which could have delayed the process there. Uh, so I think ultimately, you know, actually they've been quite swift in their business uh, this summer. I think that, you know, they were even pretty quick to go in and make a bid for Rafinha. Now it wasn't the bid that, um, you know, it wasn't the bid that that we kind of, uh, or, or that Leeds wanted, but yeah, it, it, it's still Arsenal moving. You know, they obviously have, a limit they obviously have a ceiling at which they're willing to go up to when it comes to paying for rafinha and unfortunately Leeds's valuation exceeds that but anyway let's see what else we've got uh christian arenze says hi harry remember when real madrid thought they were going to sell uh, i beg your pardon remember when real madrid thought they were going to seal the mbappe deal and then he decided to stay at psg They took it on the chin and moved along. As Arsenal fans, we need to grow up. Completely agree. This football club is bigger than any individual. So what? Rafinha prefers to go to Chelsea. Fine, go. I'm sure that if Arsenal got some indication from Rafinha's representatives, who they were scheduled to meet with this week, claiming that, no, actually, he'd prefer to come to Arsenal. Above all of those options, I'm sure that Arsenal would be trying to do everything within their power to make this deal happen and come to some sort of agreement with Leeds. But if he's not sure, if he's not sold, then okay, we move on. Now, sometimes you're going to have to convince people because, you know, this is a project. We're not in the Champions League. We're not dining at the top table just yet. And I've always said this, there will come points where you won't be someone's first choice, but you're going to need to prove to them or show them or convince them that this is the right place for them. And you know, there are certain players that you do that with and there are priorities in which, you know, priority positions and priority targets at which you look at and you go, yeah, you know, what, I've got to do everything I can here. I just look at Rafinha and, and I just think that Arsenal's reluctance to spend the money, and I'm not talking about any money, I'm talking about the money that Leeds want, just tells me that maybe they are a little bit um, unsure in some ways. Maybe not completely unsure. It's probably unfair because they've obviously been willing to put down a fair chunk of money, but they're not sure enough or convinced enough about Rafinha being worth £65 million, I guess. Uh, Galtam says, uh, thoughts on the All or Nothing trailer? And Brett says, how do you feel about the Amazon All or Nothing documentary coming out? I'm really, really looking forward to it um the trailer was way too short it was a teaser wasn't it um but yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to it i think it's going to give us a fascinating insight i'm well aware that the club have an editorial saying it so i'm not going to sit there and take every single thing as gospel but i'm really interested to kind of break it down read between the lines and you know what? we're going to be doing some content around it we're going to do some content around the episodes and the key points from those episodes i think that's going to be uh, really really interesting and i'd love to have that discussion with you guys as well. Uh, wondering Minstrel says, which position's top of the list for you? Well, now that we've got a striker, I'd probably argue centre midfield um, and then winger and then a fullback. Um, Lisandro Martinez is is obviously right up there as well, but that's not, that's slightly different for me because of the fact that he can play in a, a variety of different positions. He can play left back, he can play centre back, he can play DM. And if you get him, he might be able to tick two of those boxes, maybe even three. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, Olivier says, "Do you ever see Arsenal paying hundred million for one player in the future? It will happen at some point, just because of the way football's going. But I don't think we're, I don't think we're able to do that or willing to do that at this point. And I don't necessarily think." That's a terrible thing. Um, you know, I mean, people talk about Liverpool a lot, don't they? And the model uh, under which they've built great success. But let's not forget they paid 75 mil, was it, for Virgil van Dyke? They paid crazy money for Alisson, for a goalkeeper. And they've just done a deal worth in excess of, what, 75, 80 million euros for Darwin Nunez. So there comes a point where when you get to that level that you you do need to make those investments. But as I say, you'll be able to make those investments when you get to the point where you're going into summers only needing one or two players, as opposed to when you're in building phase and you're needing to add fives and sixes every single summer. So I think it's um, I think it's a, a totally different ballgame at the moment. Uh, Mohamed says, uh, for the price of Rafinha, we could get Tielemans and Trossard. I think it's better for us. Thanks from Mohammed. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? Are Arsenal going to go back in for Yuri Tielemans now because of um, because of the uh, the money that they're not going to be spending? I guess um, on uh, on Rafinha. So we think anyway. I just wanted to quickly, and I should have done this earlier, and I totally forgot. So let me just do this now quickly. I just wanted to bring up some. Uh, Quotes regarding Lucas Terreira. Now, if you remember, uh, Lucas Terreira wasn't too happy with the, the way Arsenal treated him. If you think about sort of the issues he had during his time at the club, clearly homesick, wasn't really enjoying London life. And when Mikel Arteta came in, he was told uh, that he doesn't have a place at Arsenal um, and that he's free to leave the club. And obviously, there's been a lot of back and forth about what his future holds. Will someone make an offer that Arsenal deem suitable during this window? Up until now, nobody has. However, um, Lucas Torreira is due to obviously come back to the football club. He is due to, to get involved in training. And he's been asked, is there any chance of him staying at Arsenal? And I've seen a few Arsenal fans talking about this and suggesting that this could be a possibility. This is what Lucas Torreira had to say to El Telegrafo. He said... There is no chance. From the beginning, Arsenal told me that I didn't have a place, so I don't want to stay either. We'll look for a new direction. Any team that wants me has to buy me, which would be around 15 million euros. So he has issued a come and get me plea to a number of football clubs um, that have supposedly shown some interest in the Uruguayan. But it's interesting that he doesn't want to come back as well, which kind of puts to bed this idea of Lucas Torreira coming back and, and being excited. He he's, His heart's not in it. And therefore, I don't think Mikel Arteta will want him in and around the group and in and around the team. And I do think that at some point, Arsenal will probably accept less for Lucas Torreira than that quoted €15 million euro fee just to get the deal done. Um, Sojo goes so slow, says, but why is he talking numbers? Well, clearly his agents have been briefed by Arsenal Football Club, that that's what it will take. Something around that value to get him out. Um, and uh, and so he's putting that out into the public domain. As I say, as a come get me plea. OK, I am going to leave it there uh, because I am absolutely shattered. I've had a crazy day, been running around London all day today, Bring you some more content tomorrow. Also going to be on TalkSport2 tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m so come and join me for that I'm sure there'll be lots of Arsenal chat uh, as a part of that show as well as all the other big transfer stories thank you all so much uh, for being with me on the live stream thank you to those of you watching or listening to this back don't forget to hit the like button don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new and I'll catch you all very soon until next time goodbye I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon